Okay, so here we are at our penultimate so, perennial. Yes. So we're doing another batch of these film reviews, uh, these uh, shot in the dark, you know, gas in the tank film reviews. Film reviews, What uh, we did uh, Wes Anderson's French Dispatch before, and now we're going to follow up with Asteroid City. Yeah. yeah. And then we also, we're going to do The Godfather, because you've never seen it, and it just yeah. was a goof. Yeah. And then uh, that was about it, right? You, did you see Oppenheimer or Barbie? No, I, I didn't see either of those. Um, and also, I saw, I saw both. I saw, I saw Bar- Barbieheimer. I did see Barbieheimer. Yeah. I saw both. You did the oh, bang, I told bang. You. I did the the, the the double feature, yeah, the bang bang, um, and then I did the uh, like a week before that, or no, at the end of June I saw on opening day, Asteroid City, but then after Asteroid City I saw Indiana Jones because I didn't love oh, Asteroid wow. City, love Indiana Jones, Asteroid City I didn't love, hmm. it was kind of um, awkward, yeah, it was like sort of um, staging was was rough shot, it didn't really feel like it was actually that composed as a mise-en-scene yeah. for most of the sequences and even though the sequences were very like you know static and the acting was stoic and the movement was just overall minimalized in every possible conceivable way yeah the the, the picture it was always just kind of like, like you felt like it was just like a like a stenciled out um sort of graffiti art level mm. of like quality mm. I mean, obviously the the frame were respectable and then the actual like background the scenery was really good i think the art does the uh, art department killed it on this yeah but i just don't th- I, I wasn't crazy about the cinematography as such the uh the um you know it wasn't it wasn't ever it was never in media res it was always just sort of i always feel like it was staged too mm. much overly staged yeah uh the acting was wooden in many cases yeah. Um, ham-fisted and some others. Tom Hanks, I felt like, kind of overdid it. He was a little too likable, hmm. a little too um, personable, I guess. Maybe not likable, but he had too, a little too much personality for, for the for being in the middle of everyone else who was pretty toned down. Yeah, he 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 stood out too much and um, kind of steamrolled the whole thing. Hmm. And then Adrian Brody's character was, I think, weakly written, although his acting was kind of excellent. Hmm. Um. Who else is in this? Um, Scarlett Johansson's character was sort of the acting wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. I can see how that style of acting could work in a different character, but I didn't like her portrayal. Yeah. Um, it was it was very like she felt very like in, she was a little too intense. She could have dialed back the intensity and made and made herself more demure and approachable. Yeah, that would have lended some maybe some realism to that character that wasn't there yeah in her portrayal um the performance by jason schwartzman was good enough i I didn't have too many complaints i could i could i had a hard time understanding what his role was in the context of the whole what um... story jason schwartzman to me felt like is the main character because he was in so many scenes but at the same time he felt like an insignificant kind of write-off character like he really just had no power. Yeah, I mean, I almost, I kind of forgot, I kind of forgot who he was. I think I okay. So, so who was the playwright? Was the playwright father Adrian Brody? Or not the playwright father, but just the father who was very like. Yeah, I'm looking at a trailer now. That was him. So then, who who even who was Jason Schwartzman in the movie? Like, 
What was his what was his like stated role? Oh wait, no. Oh wait, no shit. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman is the is the put upon father. So then who the hell's Adrian Brody? Adrian Brody was the uh, like the acting whiz that would show up. He he lived outside their immediate universe. In the, oh, uh, in the, the black and white sort of quote real world, sort of in the real world, yeah, the quote unquote real world. And he had he lived in a dressing room. Was and yeah. it was like I it was poorly written. It was it was like a pastiche of something that no one understood. Yeah, and very meta, which is never really. You don't want to be so obvious about it if you do it. And yeah. uh, did did Bombac co-write this? Uh, I don't think so. Let me look it up. Because I I believe he co-wrote Barbie. What? Yeah, I don't know if he co-wrote this one. Uh, oh wow, yeah, 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 yeah. He, it looks like he did. Um. Both films? Uh, no, I'm sorry. He he did Bar he he did Barbie. Only Barbie. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he, on he also co-wrote *The Life Aquatic* and *Fantastic Mr. Fox*. But um, as an aside, before we digress, I yeah. want you to know that I really want to see this *White Noise* movie he did. Oh yeah, you know the the Don DeLeo book, uh, the yeah. novel. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want to see that. I might, I might pirate it at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I heard it wasn't that good. What's what's the appeal? Oh, you, oh, you have it? Uh, oh, well, it was on Netflix. Yeah, they take it down. Oh, dude. dude. It, it was on it, there was, on box office. It made seventy nine thousand, and it, it cost a hundred million. Jeez. So it's probably still on Netflix because yeah. I, w I would milk that thing. It was only made like a year ago, like last year. Yeah. It was released last year, but I I wouldn't I I would be surprised if they took it down because they're probably milking it for every penny. If it only made eighty thousand. Yeah. At the box office. It yeah. Hundred. But I mean, like you know these these streaming films are not they're not meant to get box office returns i'm not really sure what they're for i guess they're you know, yeah it's probably limited it seems like limited release yeah because you can't very, very limited probably yeah you can't really i don't know yeah like like I, I i guess i guess you'd have to track it in terms of like new streamers i mean it's hard to it's hard to sort of figure out how to quantify um the benefit to netflix of of one more really good movie or one more really bad movie or you know, benefit or detriment. Well, it was definitely. A I think that was a touchstone film, Barbie, in a different senses as well. Yeah. Is Asteroid City would you consider like a landmark? I I don't I don't think so. It was promoted out the wazoo. I don't know about your area, but in yeah, downstate New York, it was like yeah. every every bus and every train and every bus stop had like a poster of like yeah billboards had Asteroid City. You know, it was like everywhere. It was uh, it was definitely. It wasn't. It wasn't marketed that much that I could see. Um, I feel like honestly, okay. Barbie and Oppenheimer, for for what they are, it, it reminds me of like the presidential election where it's like, like like months and months and months of hype, and it's like not really even that much of a big deal necessarily. Like, or at the very least, like there have been things that were like way more of a bombshell that did not get like 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 it just feels like people are really bored and like desperate, and so like this this movie has to be. I don't. I'm just kind of. It's not interesting to vent, like at length. So. Well, you, but, but you know, the, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're you're exactly correct. Uh, the, the problem I have is that I I'm so used to this sort of like the hype and the sensationalism. Yeah. Um. It's really just like the new yellow journalism to me. But I'm mm. so used to it 
since since growing since growing up with it, right? Like we have yeah. that. I just feel like, uh, you know, I just uh, I expect them to be dumber than they actually are. Like I expect them oh, to be yeah. so. No, well, that, so that's backward. Yeah, that, that's kind of what. And then when I watch yeah. it, I'm like pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, because it's not. Well, that's the weird thing. Like for me, like I honestly kind of miss. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of an example, but like I feel like there there has been a time in recent history where like there were these big dumb box office. Well, I guess Endgame was like the apex of it. Big dumb box office events where like everyone went to it because it was the thing. It's like oh, you got to see. Everyone's got to see it. And I never saw it, but like you know that that honestly that fun for the whole family bombastic thing is kind of more interesting to me than like this stuff which frankly seems i know it's it's dumb to judge it ahead of time but it, it all just seems kind of middle brow which i really i really can't stand stuff that's like genuinely middle brow or that seems that way to me but um but why well this is kind of getting off topic but like why why are you why are you so uh interested in white noise um and seeing white noise oh, i like i like it. i like the pro style uh delilo mm, yeah uh delilo whatever it is i i liked it and then i uh you know i got out of the habit of reading uh literary fiction yeah which is um you know sort of destitute on my part but um but that destitution um has lended me to appreciate a lot more in the cinematic domain a yeah. lot of arts I wouldn't have appreciated if I was just reading books like a fucking musty librarian. <laughs> However, the Leo is one that kind of is like a crossover. Like I can kind of read it. Yeah. I can kind of, I can kind of treat it like it's a movie still. Yeah. And I, I think it's cause he's still alive. I think that's why it's, it's more, that's interesting. Um, more convivial for me as an experience. Yeah. And so with the fact that Noah Baumbach, who is one of my favorite directors working, um, made made white noise is kind of crazy to me, and and I I always you know I, uh, people always are into like Philip Roth you know yeah, and um to me Philip Roth and Don DeLeo were kind of like night and day the day and night of mm. literary fiction yeah um of, but but now it's like it's it you know it's just it's really just Don DeLeo I think everyone died well yeah. it was it was heavyweight yeah definitely. Yeah, totally. It's it's I can I agree. He's like the last sort of literary fiction guy he's, he, in America. He's the, he's like what's the yeah, what was the last dinosaur like the Cretaceous oh. era dinosaurs? Oh, they had like, know. you know what I mean? They had that one like all the other dinosaurs were extinct, but then they had like a few like you know like, the last. Yeah, I think also of uh, Jonathan Franzen. He's like runaway he's, species. He's still there for some reason. Well, that guy is 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 sort of like the. Uh, conglomeration of, of 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 those big wigs he's he kind of is he's like the new fangled like conglomeration where they're all kind of thrown together and into into one yeah and it's like and they it's, it, i just don't feel like i don't i feel like we're not really getting um the uh the diversity that yeah. we used to have yeah definitely yeah it's uh i i definitely agree um yeah, and I, I've really, I really liked a few of Noah Baumbach's movies. Plus, plus, I've never been crazy about the name Jonathan. Every time I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had like a therapist for like ten years as a child that I was like forced to go to. Damn. Named Jonathan, and that was the most of Jonathan I ever interacted with. And I just felt like <laughs> you had that your name. <laughs> and it, gave, it gave me. I also don't like the name Philip. I also don't like the name Philip or Jonathan. 
Um, That's Jonathan's really probably worse. I feel if I can respect from a distance. <laughs> from a Jonathan, I'm, 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 I'm ambivalent. I'm just ambivalent. That's great. Uh, that's that's really funny. Yeah, there's some names that just sort of rub you the wrong way, I guess. Um, well, it, 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 I, I don't I don't have that name obviously, but to me it's a second rate John. Yeah. You know, like in the, in the in the global hierarchy of names. Yeah. It's like this secondary version of John. Yeah. And that's and it's also combined with Nathan, which is <laughs> even worse name I think. <laughs> Not Tanyal or Nathaniel. Yeah. So it's like. It's very neurotic and skeevy. That's funny. And yeah, easily. Jeez. Like, Someone named Joe Nathan is it's just it's like the, it's like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> Never hang out with some named Joe J O. Yeah. That's an embarrassing name. <laughs> That's like great. Joe Dirt. Yeah. Anyway, so. That's great. I'd, not to break apart the, the you know. Jeez. Yeah. Philology here, but. Yeah. Let's go into. And then Philip is it means like horse lover. Yeah, <laughs> I guess to be eloquent. It's like the lover of horses. Yeah, and but for brass, you know, in, 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 on brass, in the brass tax world, it's basically just like horse fucker. Sounds like to me. <laughs> Who fucks horses? And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, I know it is a bit, it is a bit equusy, isn't it? Equine. Gee. Yeah, equophilic. Equus. Equus is the uh, equusy isn't a word, right? But equus is the. Uh, it's it's that it's like the genus. No, the name it for the genus. Equus is the um is the play that Daniel Radcliffe was in to try and break his typecasting after Harry Potter. And well, that's uh, also true, but I think Equus is like the genus for uh, horses. Oh yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. That that that, that was not what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Daniel Radcliffe. People, I also don't like the name Daniel that much, but because yeah. to me, Daniel is like is a very specific personality. That's interesting. Where someone named Daniel Philip. Okay, so Philip is like a really passive aggressive person. It's smart. <laughs> it's like you know trying to like it's like really really passive aggressive, but also very shrewd. Yeah. And power hungry. That's Philip. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Daniel is someone that's like always stuck at an intermediate level, hmm. just can't admit it to themselves, and it's <laughs> and it's just and so it becomes like frustrated and annoying and and uh, just unlikable slightly. Damn. Um, and it's kind of slimy. That's Daniel. And then Nathan is probably worse than Daniel. Nathan is like a, a dweeb yeah. that doesn't know they're a dweeb. Yeah. And they thinks they're really cool. So it's like it's like the it's like it's honestly in the, in the same sort of direction. Yeah. I mean, they're just at the lower end of the totem pole. Yeah. Uh, it's the same exact category of of status. And then Philip, I think, is probably like a little bit above Daniel. But it's I, I think Daniel might be more you know, more substantial of, of like a, well, less unpleasant probably. What do you call it? You know, more substantial, more, 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 in, in, you know, in, in the arena type of personality than Philip. Philip is a lot more strategic and yeah. back and back. Sort of keeping their cards close the to their chest. Huh? And then Daniel is more, you know, tactical and uh, boots on the ground. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so let's move on. I can't break apart these names without yeah. losing my sanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh yeah, Asteroid City. Yeah, I mean, great colors. I think I think that's why people watch these movies. Yeah, it's like it's like dumb people that can like pick up a hint of dialogue here or there that yeah. that, that they can sort of pawn off as memorable and important. Yeah, uh, but it's all insignificant drivel, a lot of pablum. Mm. Uh, it's like repetitious, just sort of 
uh, cliches and sort of like you know half baked one liners. Yeah. And in some cases, it just fall all, all it, the entire scene will fall flat. Um, and, and and Wes Anderson is known for this. Wes Anderson is sort of defining this right now. Mm. Paul Thomas Anderson does this too. But Paul Thomas Anderson, the characters are like kind of meant to be awkward. Yeah. I feel like I feel like whereas this Wes Anderson. They're meant to be awkward too, but it's not it's not as advertised. Hmm. And in this one, they're they're awkward because the movie is weird, yeah. Not because the situation is awkward. Like that's just how I, my gut that's, my feeling. That's a that's a pretty subtle way to put it. I think you're kind of right. Like some, I feel like sometimes, I don't, well, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, it's not as situational. I, well, I in P.T. Anderson, he, like you can make the same criticism of P.T. Anderson. I'm sure some have. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, artificially these characters are made to be dumber than they probably would be. Yeah. But I do think that in the P.T. Anderson film, at least the characters look like people. Whereas in a Wes Anderson film, they don't even really aren't even set up to look like people. And then yeah. they, and I think Wes Anderson might be more cowardly about his inclinations and his appetites for this sort of thing than P.T. Anderson is. Yeah. Now, do I think that P.T. Anderson is the superior filmmaker? Not in every case. I do think. Um, in terms of you know verisimilitude or veracity or what have you or realism or naturalism you know any pick your word right yeah word of the day you know I think P.T. Anderson is is a lot more um, he he embraces those things yeah. he embraces those qualities whereas Wes Anderson is afraid of realism on some level and I think I think the the fear of realism that Wes Anderson has comes from the sort of boring te- provincial background he has. I think he's from Texas. Yeah. Or is it? Or did he grow up somewhere else? I think he actually grew up somewhere else. Uh, well, it said Maybe he was. It said he was born in Texas, graduated from a school in Houston. Yeah, I, I kind of think he did grow up in Texas. No, but he went to private school in like Connecticut. Right, he had to. Uh. I don't think so. I don't. I don't see it. Early life, St. John's, Houston. He went to like a weird Texan private school. Oh, he never was in Connecticut. Well, that's the thing. He seems like the ultimate oh. wasp. And so it's so weird that like, you know, weird. he's not from New England at all. Like, you know. Yeah, I always thought he spent like some time there. You know, like he was just like, he was associated with New England. Well, yeah. that's probably why he's so like content with being this sort of, um, this sort of, you know, uh, fop. You know, because because uh, he's just if you're from Texas, like people are never gonna think you are a fop, and then if you try really hard to look like one, yeah. you'll never be considered one. You'll you'll never be proven right. <laughs> you, you know, you mean, and I, you I, mean, they'll always assume that you're not, and so you can try to be one as hard as you can, and it'll never get old. Because yeah, that's interesting. But I still think the, so. I, I appreciate uh, the, with the shed, this sheds new light on Asteroid City. Yeah, and I might, I might, I might actually like it a little more, but I still don't think it's it's like the best movie ever. Um, it's yeah. funny to me though now that, that all the hot dog scenes, which I thought were like a pastiche, yeah, now I'm supposed to view them as like authentic, you know, like well, it's yeah. like because he's from Texas. I don't think it changes it that much. I I think he really is, he's taking this you know, sort of diner di- car dining car, and he's turning what what was it anyway? It was like a it was like a small diner. Oh it yeah, portable. And uh, it was basically just like a tiny diner, like Marfa, Texas, out in the middle of West Texas somewhere, right? Yeah. And 
in this in this movie it was New Mexico, which is close enough. Yeah. And he uh he he like he does this sort of matte um sans serif uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Pastel. Uh, 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 pink pastel. Well, that's that's the backdrop, but your front is it's it's front loaded with uh with typeface. Yeah. And it's sort of sans serif, it's really matte, it's monochromatic. Yeah. It doesn't really bulge out that much, but it does slightly, ever so slightly, that you don't feel like it's totally painted in. Yeah. But it, but it kind of is anyway. It's and it's really just painted on, um, yeah. in, in many cases. In some cases, it's more of a science, but usually just painted on. Yeah. And that's how people decorated restaurants and all sorts of service centers. Yeah. Back in the day, retail, you know, stores all back in the day, but it uh. I think he went he went over the top with it, as if he he didn't have the leg room to kind of like move, to like uh, move angle move uh, change angles or move move uh, setups, and he really just had to focus on one building the whole time. Yeah, and and that's kind of it's that says it's illuminating about Wes Anderson as a personality because hmm. it tells me that he's uh, he he kind of gets stuck in the same place and he doesn't know he doesn't have the agility to jump out of the box. Hmm. And um, and so when you see him just taking the same sh- shots at the same building, and that building is so it starts to feel central, but then you find out that the building isn't central because you only had like one scene really with it. Two, oh, you had like several scenes, but yeah. you know they weren't very long. Yeah, and weren't very establishing with that uh, that restaurant. Now, if he had like ten other buildings like just like that that he fo- you could focus in on, that would be high quality. But because he focuses in on that that building over overly so, and then next scene is you know is a residential scene, or the next scene is a scene out camping, yeah. or a scene well, it's playing instruments by the uh, picnic t- benches. Those are all good scenes, all well and good, but they don't establish the way that that building did. Now, unfortunately, he only had one building to to really use for it. Yeah. So that's my yeah. problem with Wes Anderson's directorial style is that he can hire the best talent in the world, but then he gets them to do very minor accomplishments in his own in his own films. Yeah. And the other thing that really delivers this own in, in a conceptual way, not a physical way, is when he has all the ki- the genius kids hanging out and they're rattling off names of famous historical geniuses like Bose and yeah. uh, Gandhi, Napoleon, whoever they said. I, they said yeah. a bunch of names, right? Yeah. Um, and they're all trying to sound smart by reiterating those names. Those names were like weird grab bag names. They're like, yeah. you know, boy and girl geniuses wouldn't necessarily stitch together. And even in the 50s, yeah, those names are probably way less likely for them to pick. Well, yeah. Um, they were sort of, uh, what do you call it, um, anachronistic, like, you know, in, in a full-blown type of way. Yeah. So I felt like he, he really likes to bur- burble up you know, bubbles in the froth and build froth. But yeah. then you just take a knife and you can brush away the froth in like a, an instant yeah. and, and, then, and then clean the knife and then it's gone forever. So his, his sort of like big, big momentous efforts, they sort of fall flat for me ultimately because they just, yeah. Like, like, well, let me look up the dialogue while, while you say something about it. Yeah. Well, because we I want to figure out what those names were. We, we were talking about, um, the Grand Budapest Hotel one time, and uh, I think I was saying like, like it, it really impressed me at first when I saw it years ago. But then I saw it a few years later when I I I, had, I don't know I'd like learned a little bit just just a little bit more about you know European history and 
just just uh, get more of a sense of that world that he was trying to like imitate or whatever and, and i i realized like yeah it's 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 paper thin like the it's very superficial um that and i think i think a lot of people like well it's our it's it's modern preconceptions about how yeah any historical person may or may have thought yeah that ruined it and um we, we've talked about grand budapest hotel a number of times because oh. it's a very it's a phenomenal film yeah it represents something really unusual um in respect to what hollywood tends to represent uh, depict yeah it's a it's it's a tour de force as a showcase but what it show what it showcases and what it, or what it you know what it shows fundamentally is inaccurate yeah. um it's 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 a mirage yeah at the, at the oasis so i felt strongly that his style is really kind of you know like threadbare yeah paper thin it's yeah sort of, um more it's sort of it gives people the impression of sophistication yeah that's and exactly I, I, and the fact that he can make money off of that is kind of crazy well um it it, it sort of reminds me actually and, and this keeps coming up um it reminds me of like the New Yorker. Like I feel like it's this, it, it is this. I'm. It's not quite truly middle brow, but it's like kind of on the edge of this like pseudo sophistication of where people sort of want to feel like erudite and and cultured and whatever. But and I noticed yeah. that, I noticed that the, when he when he has an when his correct me if I'm wrong. But the actors that he puts in his films, more and more, it's like the death knell for their career. Hmm. Like they they have nothing going on, so they just go in his movie. All, almost almost in every case, is an actor that's not a hot actor. It's someone that had a great career twenty years ago. Like classic example, Jeff Goldblum. Hmm. Probably probably too easy of an example. Well, wait, what, you know what is he? What is he? What Wes Anderson movie was he in? Oh, oh, oh Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm mixing him up with. Uh... I don't even know. I'm mixing him up with the guy from Tr Trees Lounge. Um, I don't even know why. Oh uh, well, he's not in. He's not in any of it. Well, that, that's yeah. why I was confused. Sorry, sorry. But oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But his yeah. career's stronger. His Steve Buscemi's career yeah. stronger. Well, I, I feel uh, like eight, yeah, yeah. Wes Anderson kind of has this retinue of people that he keeps using again and again. And I, I yeah, I, I kind of maybe that does. Well, he, he, he hires the most irrelevant actors, and I know you're going to say like, well, Tom Hanks and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah. But believe believe me, like. Their days are numbered, okay? <laughs> they're not. They're they've been on the downswing after she was killed off in Marvel. It's like, oh, yeah. what what does that pretend? They could can be nothing no, nothing good about that as a foreshadow. Yeah. And then, Tom Hanks. I can't think of one great movie he's been in that wasn't like an indie movie in like ten years. Yeah, no, he's he's totally. Well, I mean that's the thing. I mean Wes Anderson has also kind of been making movies for a while now, and I mean I don't know, it's hard to talk about. I mean. It's sort of weird, but like when I was, this is kind of related. Like it's hard to, what I want to say is that like what he's got is this ensemble that appears to be fading in relevance because everyone is sort of fading in relevance. Like I don't really think they're, you know, he had, didn't he have Timothy Chalamet in this movie? Am I, am I wrong? Uh, I don't, I don't remember it, him being in that. I don't, maybe, he, he maybe he wasn't. I don't think he was because they didn't really have anyone in that eight, that, that the yeah, typical wait, age bracket he, he portrays. He was in the French Dispatch, though. That's what I was thinking of. That he wasn't that one. Yeah. So I don't. But that that yeah. movie was also really trippy, and it was hard to even make out what was going on. Yeah. Um, and Timothy Chalamet's per performance in there did, 
didn't really stand out just because of how trippy and overwrought the film was. Yeah. Obfuscating. Yeah. So my rule about it, I feel like, still kind of stands because that movie kind of, he was barely even in the film in the way that conventionally actors are in films. Like in this film, yeah. all the actors were, to be fair about this film, it's, I liked it more than the French Dispatch because the mm-hmm. characters were represented as people. They didn't mm-hmm. have that sort of, um, they're they're weirder because Wes Anderson's been getting make being he's become weirder and weirder I think yeah. as a, as an auteur, but the um they 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 had like a minimal personality, but it was it was it was palpable. You could really see it hmm. in French Dispatch. It was like almost no personality whatsoever, and it's because they just changed the scenery so damn often and. Because yeah. the lines were pointless and it made no sense. And this film suffered from that same disease, but it was a it was a relatively benign case. Yeah, well, I mean, part um, of it may have been. French Dispatch that... is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in terms of Dang. as like a, as like a in terms of having dramaturgic dramatological you know co- coherence. It just yeah. was the most incoherent film, and um, hmm. I'm sure it has a plot, but like you know. So, so you know, so is like the epic of Gilgamesh. I mean, it's like <laughs> that's funny. You without without you know making it sound like a like this joke about the epic of Gilgamesh seems like a comedy because the plot is so fucking dumb that <laughs> that's great. It, like like this guy wrestles, you know, he he he. I don't know, I, I can't get into, it, but he like he wrestles um, the king until they become best friends. It's like kind of, <laughs> You know, he spends like he dies immediately at the end for like no reason. You know, he, he spends like ten years doing this one thing for like when he didn't have to. The Epic of Gilgamesh <laughs> does come off as a comedy if you talk about it really fast. French, a lot of Wes Anderson's films are like that, and French Dispatch is the is the king of examples. Yeah. Um. You know, the Emperor, right? Um, Asteroid City. I don't know, but Asteroid City is is a substantial movie. It's just. Um, it's not a great movie. It's a it's a good movie, but it's only good because of the. I mean, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people would would say it's not good. Yeah. I will I will die on this hill saying it's a good film because I think um, it showcases a way of life that's been largely forgotten about. The characters have very compelling and and um, fairly realistic interactions, hmm. and the uh, the number of jobs and sort of personalities that is ostensibly depicted is pretty pretty impressive yeah i don't think he does a good job um writing their lines yeah. i don't and i don't think the act and i think that the bad acting th- that was littered throughout the film yeah it was was, was just a, a, another reminder that the, the dialogue was kind of choppy and yeah. the acting the acting really suffered because of it there's a lot of actors um especially the ones that you don't see a lot like i think they had some country singers Oh, doing the cowboys, maybe. Yeah, they have people who like you don't see a lot in film, but are another are probably musicians and stuff, and they were doing acting, yeah. and they couldn't really deliver their lines that well because um, well, they're not act- they're not actors, yeah. Because they did the, the role, the, like the 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 pacing combined with the role didn't make sense. Yeah, it, they were they're either supposed to be talk say a lot of stuff too slowly, but then they wouldn't. But then the you know the the, the you know the. Um, the second unit director or whatever would be like, okay, you're taking too long. Yeah. So then they'd tell him to hurry up. It's like, well, this is like a, you're giving me a fucking monologue. Yeah. Like, yeah, but we got like every, every character has a fucking monologue. 
Like, okay, every character is a fucking monologue. Now, how, how do you have every character deliver a fucking monologue, right? Yeah. That's this movie. It's a fucking monologue followed by another fucking monologue by, followed by another fucking monologue. <laughs> and it, it, it becomes impossible. Hmm. Now, that would be cool if you did it for like 20 minutes, but doing, you know, whatever it was, you know, two hours of it, it's just nonsense. Yeah. And having actors who can't act that well have to do this in, yeah. right, you know, in between Tom Hanks and fucking Steve Carell. Yeah. That's kind of torture, man. Like, that's like, that's literally <laughs> like, a, it's like, it's like, I wouldn't even want to do that role because I would butcher it. Yeah. And then people, I'd be remembered for like fucking up a scene that everyone else probably could have done, but I was, but because I was so green to it. Yeah, you know, nascent nascent actors are are not are not are not really good and welcome in this film. And to me, this film stings of like this sort of intermediacy, where it's like yeah. everyone is sort of like floating just above the surface. Jeez, yeah, I um... opiums of, of an artistic form. Anyway, um, well, uh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cancel my tirade for a moment. I um. I should say I like I like walked out. Uh, I went back in, but I walked out like probably a third of the way through the movie, or like forty percent of the way through, and I left for like twenty, thirty minutes and came back, um, because it just wasn't. It was really weird. It like you had to walk out. Yeah, it was so awkward. It just yeah, exactly, exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't like straight up bad. I guess. But it kind of was because what is badness if not like things not really working right? Kind of like like you know like, like I don't know. I mean, I guess a Marvel movie is bad because it's it's really boring and stupid. But like you know th- this this movie was bad because everything was like almost there, but you couldn't really explain or I couldn't explain or figure out to myself why it wasn't working. But it just wasn't, and it was it was really like depressing and like disturbing because like it just sort of showed me that sometimes things don't work and there's no, there's no graspable reason why, which was good. Well, one of the things, one of the problems was they made it, you're right. They had too many, had too many moving parts. Characters were all going in different directions. Yeah. The, uh, they, uh, in terms of their mature maturation, you know, some characters, some characters were really settled in, but he's done that. He's done that before. I feel like, I feel like he's had other movies where it's this, it's this whole little dollhouse of like, four or five different stages of life and stories and everyone's got their thing going on. And, but like somehow, you know, I mean the life aquatic, I I don't think life aquatic is like his best movie, but like, it's really, it's got like a magic to it that I just didn't really feel while watching this. I mean, what I think is that like, this is kind of cliche to say, I guess, but I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's getting a bit too much into his own style and it's getting like annoying. Like, like, there's there has to be a balance between the auteur's touch. It's and, like it's like when Family Guy, yeah. you know, like stops having Seth MacFarlane, so now they, they make all these Seth MacFarlane jokes because mm. he left the show, and it's That's like, why is Family Guy? I don't watch Family Guy to hear jokes about Seth MacFarlane. Hmm. No. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's like it's, too. It's like well, well, it, it is in the sense that it's too self-referential, and it's kind of lost. It's like lost touch with reality at all. I mean, even though even though like the the story beats. Again, the plot was confusing and hard to follow for me. But like, if you look at the plot, then it has something soulful and human about it. Like all his movies, which is why I like him as a director. But like, it's 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 like not it's like it's like smothered by this this like fear of 
fear of reality, kind of like like you were saying, like a fear of the banality of everyday life. And so everything has to be like really, really artificial and fake. And in fact, what it reminds me of is um, I read this book where this guy was trying to come up with like theories of the psychological nature of grief. And he said that like the frame, like 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 framing an experience or somehow putting boundaries on it is a way of dealing with an overwhelming experience. And I feel like Wes Anderson's movies are like more and more like the frame is becoming like the entire thing. Like you have this like nested and nested stories and it just gets to the point, you know, and the rigidness and the formality and, and like it, it gets to the point where, where you can't hear the underlying human message, which in this movie was like what you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. I mean, that's like a, that's, that's, he should take his own advice, you know? He, he can't wake up because he hasn't gone to sleep because he has all this this stuff like stopping the dream from happening or, or something I, I don't know um, that's kind of, that's what I think about it right right um, right I, uh, it, yeah it's architectonic to the to the max and it, you do feel yeah. like it, there's like scaffolding around the building. Yeah, and when you're just trying to watch the building and admire it, it's pristine beauty. Yeah, and you're like, oh no, the fucking like you know, like the fucking planks of wood and yeah. the rebar, like those are you know the you know the, the rotting planks of wood yeah. stacking stacked on rebar, like that's the facade that you get to, to see rather than the actual. Yeah, you know, well, the uh, the, the, the sculpted the sculpted yeah structure. well there's and some, uh yeah. that, that film the film it, it just has it kind of has two it's kind of like a poorly decorated cake in a, in a way like yeah. the cake and then and then at the same time the cake you, you expect because it's such a magnificent opulent cake yeah that it would be style and substance but it's just style and this oh, and the yeah. cake has got like pure frosting got like, rats, yeah. like rat turds <laughs> in it yeah. yeah that's that's a good way to put it well i was gonna rat say turd food there's something there's something a little bit disarming and aesthetically and artistically valid to that you know showing I don't know like like that like, like that excessive frame like I think of that that Greek story where the best painter like created he painted a he painted fruits that were so delicious that birds pecked at him but the, but the really best painter painted uh curtains and so another painter was like okay draw the curtains but the best painter was like uh those aren't curtains i just painted that like like there's something very like valid to a little bit of meta but if you do it too much it it just it defeats the effect it, it stops it's just one-sided or something it just feels like overthinking or yeah you can do the trompe l'oil like yeah well you can you can do a las meninas painting where you have the, you know, the, the, a painting of a mirror that reflects the painter himself yeah. and the paint, you know, you can do that. Um, and that adds to it. And then, but then that doesn't necessarily, like, and some people will be like, well, that's the best painting I've ever seen because it, it encapsulates the, the art, artist vision. Yeah. Like the real art, the vision behind the artist. Yeah. Or whatever, the, you know, the, the, the current, the, you know, the spirit, yeah. the third eye that the artist has. But actually, um, a lot of people would find it kind of hacky. Yeah. And... For whatever reason, there's enough of a, a, a there's a broad enough niche in the market for people to just throng to these Wes Anderson pictures. Yeah. And I don't want to be some guy who just tr like says the same thing over and over again, trashing Wes Anderson, because yeah. I do think he is a real auteur, yeah. one of the best, 
I do think he has some great moments in his in all his movies. Yeah, he really does. But but it's like becoming fewer and fewer. Yeah. And really, like, like you're saying, it's threadbare. Yeah. Um, or what did you say? You said it was. Uh, uh, I don't know. But what was your term for like when it was just like, it was like. Um, it's like it's yeah. It's like not even plastered on anymore. It's just painted. Well, you, and, you were saying it's like a cake that's just you know basically without any. It's just all frosting kind of. Yeah, mint, you get you, you know? get the fucking chocolate fountains and the icy swans and the fucking little yeah. you know married couple holding hands. Yeah. You know, and you can yeah, you get all of that, but it just doesn't have any taste. Yeah. And it, it's all it's all static image. Yeah. Um, it really starts it, honestly. These movies are starting to have the the, the same appeal as the uh, Microsoft Windows screensaver, and yeah. Without any further ado, man, let's check the time because I don't know how much I can oh, trash yeah. this shitty movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like we shouldn't do a hateathon. We should talk about something good. All right, we're at forty minutes, so maybe we can talk about The Godfather now if you remember it or whatever. Yeah, let me see. Let's do some closing remarks or positive because okay. we kind of have to do the due, the due diligence okay that's fair um for my for my part i really liked the costumes i yeah. really I, I adored them actually i thought they were mm. so good yeah and it was the, my favorite thing was just like the belts the, the soldiers wore the guns the instruments the musicians had the, the, the hats and those yeah. cow those cowboy musicians wore um the uh you know like a fry cook could be captivating um, a woman just wearing a, a, a frilly Chantilly lace dress that could be captivating. Yeah. Um, interiors are always spot on. I think for for the you know rather stark era of the 1950s. Yeah. Um, the Cold War environment was in the Red Red Scare and all that was pretty pretty uh, respectable as a composition. Yeah. As a design, I mean, but the composition, including everything else, was just not um, superb. Yeah. You know, you had a lot of a uh, stale acting, and and um, the people were really expressionless, and they were supposed to be expressionless because they were on a sort of constant surveillance. They had a, like a you know, they had some sort of like stark limitation on what on their maneuverability and social station and everything, physical physical. Um, physically limited right yeah but i still think that they would have acted crazier rather than acted so muted and suppressed yeah and it was sort of a vaginal film it kind of felt like there was a lot of sort of like amp um kind of ambient you know um here and there going on and not a lot of uh uh punch not a lot of action and it really was trying too hard not to be a marvel movie Hmm. Um, we, well, we wanted something in the middle, right? Yeah, we want a Star yeah. Wars. We want, let's dare I say, Lord of the Rings. We want Indiana Jones. Dare yeah. I say, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, heck, Game of Thrones. Heck, Star Trek. All good. Yeah. But like something that's like Marvel, a little over the top with the fucking you know kinetic, um, you know convolutions, and then you know really it's just all over the place. But this one. It's trying to be so like subtle. It was trying to be like a Tarkovsky film, where it's like every every little movement hints at something profound. Yeah. It's trying to do that, but at the same time, people would talk in rambling sentences anyway. Yeah. So you kind of got the worst of both. You got the yeah. ramblingness, and then you got the fucking slow, boring drivel. Yeah. No. So, exactly. The worst of the worst of both. I. Uh, a visual visual drivel. I mean, not. 
Yeah. Uh, Lexicological. Lexical. Lexically, this film was really pretentious. And then visually, it was just sort of um, toned down and dull. Anyway, let's... um, I, I, I can't really say anything good about it, can I? It's really just, it's like, <laughs> well, the music even was kind of weak. The music yeah. was like sort of unremarkable, unmemorable. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what do you want to say? And then we can just go into the... Oh, uh, just just again, like on paper, that that that's a weird part. Like on paper, it, it has that like soulfulness of a Wes Anderson movie. Because like, I feel like people kind of neglect how his stories are like very bittersweet and deep and like kind of... That that's honestly kind of the best part. Like I, I could I could give or take all the like quirky front facing angle thing. Like I, I don't really I don't I don't know what that contributes, but like the soul of it is kind of there on paper still. Like if I could if I read the plot summary, I'm sure I'd be kind of like moved a little bit, which is really hard, you know. So I appreciate that. But uh, well, this is, and the other thing is like you're saying the plot sounds like it'd be kind of moving. And yeah. you watch it and it's just it's just total trash yeah it's it's, it's the opposite yeah but but this is the thing is that um i think that that's also part of the evil is that yeah is that this film is going to be like fetishized by like historians and journalists yeah and academics of all stripes feminist scholars like all that in the next in the next 50 years it's going to people can look back at it and be like well this <laughs> film was really like you know, pivotal and had a lot to say, and it it, it, it reflected the zeitgeist and represented mm. diversity and just all these weird things. Like he's just gonna say a bunch of stuff that wasn't true about it. Like well, it, like, it, like yeah. it was some, it was some, it was some. Uh, um, what do you call it? Um, not paramount, but it was some sort of a like touch, landmark, touchstone, maybe <laughs> touchstone, just milestone. Them, yeah. What do they call it when it is like it summited some peak? You know, for all mankind to bask in glory for. You know? <laughs> And it just didn't. It was just it, it fell flat That's for almost good... everyone. Well, except I, for the most, yeah. for the most weaselly, squirrely critics you could you possibly imagine, the uh, kind of people you would never want to, yeah. you know, get a beer with. Yeah. Those people or champagne, you just wouldn't want to drink with them at all. <laughs> Generally, do any drug. <laughs> yeah, it's just they're just out there people. That's a great way. To those put are it. the people that are going to approve of this film, and walk, and you have to watch out for those types because they're, they're yeah. pretty dangerous. Well, I don't, I don't, right. I don't think it was that. Okay, we go on forever, I guess, but I don't, I don't think it was that well received. But I mean, I, I hope it doesn't, you know, grow in prominence as the years go on. I mean, I, I, I think that usually, you know, it, time shakes out the good from the bad. But you know, we'll see. But I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I hate to con- we're, we're we're doing this awkward transition. Yeah, contrast. Yeah, you can, like, you can have the last word. I'll, I'm gonna stop saying stuff. No, like no, that. you had the last word. No, I, I'm, I've said everything I need to say. If I say more, I'll just fucking uh, repeat myself. And I just um, yeah. Okay, well. No, I mean, I, I mean, all I can say is that please, please, please make a better movie, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Have it in you. Don't listen to the critics. They're lying. Don't listen to your conscience. It's bad. Just, just make a better movie. You know, make a movie you'd want to see as a kid, not a movie you want to see as whatever middle-aged adult. That's clearly not working for anyone. That's great. So. That's great. Yeah, that that's hell yeah. That's the best possible send-off. Um, okay, so do you? I mean, do you remember the Godfather that much? Anything come to mind? 
I remember it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen it more more than once. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I don't remember like every, like the angle that the gun was fired in at that cafe. Yeah, when he when he assassinates the guy. Like I don't know. I remember like every little shot, but but I do remember like the scenes of the story. Yeah. I, I know the characters. You know, like the back of my hand. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Um, I didn't have I didn't have to re, I didn't have to rewatch any clips in preparation for this. Yeah. Uh, well, but I could. I, I, it's not like it's possible. I saw it. I saw part of it once years ago, and uh, I didn't understand it. Which now I don't understand how I didn't understand it because I, I'm, I must have just been really stupid or something. <laughs> because it, it's it's a it's sort of straightforward. Like you know, maybe the ins and outs of some things are kind of confusing, but but it's 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 very stark. The basic beats, the basic beats of everything, are pretty stark and solid. And it's 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 interesting. It's pretty much always interesting, and it's always beautiful. It feels like a, um, it just feels like it's it's constant, like one painting after another. Or maybe it's maybe it's not even a painting. Maybe it's just like what a movie should be is just this kind of, I don't know that this this these these beautiful scenes that are also interesting. It's you know it's it's really an amazing movie. Um, it's great. The acting is obviously insanely good too. I'm Marlon Brando, as cliche as it is, is my favorite actor, I guess, and he's just so interesting. Like you, you think he's doing all these streetcar like, named Desire. Yeah, like you think he's always doing the these wild like, one, the wild bunch. Wait, what's the no? It's oh, what's that's the one where he was the motorcycle? the really early one. Uh, I never saw that one. I, I've been mean to because it's uh, it's such a classic standout. Yeah, the and, wild uh, one. That's it. Yeah, the wild one. That's it. And then there's also. Uh, on the waterfront, uh, apocalypse now. On the waterfront, yeah. Those three are just like you, like peace delivers this stance, dude. You gotta watch them, mm. creme de la creme. Well, no, it, um, yeah. it's hard to find like really captivating noirs. Yeah, because they're just sort of like it's. It's always like some actor you don't recognize talking to some other actor you don't recognize, but everyone back then knew exactly who they were and they were all excited yeah, to see him. Yeah. And you're just like, uh, who are these guys? And then they're always, they're always like fighting over a girl who's like probably slept with both of them and they're just sort of like, they don't, but they don't know it yet. And then yeah. it turns out that the woman killed someone, but then one of them tries to cover it up and then the other guy doesn't and he kills the guy. It's all like sort of like you can come up with the plots in like a fucking heartbeat. It's like Tin Pan Alley or something. Like you literally have people just writing down the, the whole, like, the beat sheets for these films like um you know in in the boardroom talking to the executives you know they're just like oh yeah i can write a movie right now let's here here, here they pitch it just like <laughs> it writes itself you, it writes itself yeah exactly yeah. they have this sort of borscht bell attitude when they do it it's really <laughs> kind of gummy but uh but you know godfather was was new it was actually despite being like a really old film at this point like 50 years old almost probably yeah, yeah probably 50 years old yeah 55 despite that it's it's technically a new hollywood film it's technically a break away from the Hayes code hmm. i guess um maybe not so much but it's definitely it's considered in that sort of generational you know genre of yeah, new hollywood where definitely. it's uh francis ford coppola right he went to usc like he wasn't a fucking tin pan alley guy you know yeah he was usc he wasn't and he he didn't he for whatever reason he wasn't obsessed with violating like the Hayes code but he, yeah. he, which is actually kind of a, a unique for his generation, but he did. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes Godfather such a great film. It was a sort of a compromise between yeah. that old style and the new style coming forth. Yeah. I mean, I mean, moving. And uh, I think that's why Godfather really stands up to time because it's just it was it was sort of between 
between worlds mm. in terms of what it was conveying and allowed to convey. That's yeah, that's 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 interesting because it's not it's you're right it's not it's not like obsessed with being transgressive in at all really it's it's just like it it feels like Hollywood kind of is still like like that's still like Hollywood hasn't gone up to yet another higher level in a sense it's like that's still the the best that can be achieved that's kind of putting a negative spin on it but it's just to say that like it's so it, you know it's so good that like it's still it still stands out it like you know it's it's more interesting than a lot of movies these days which again is putting a negative spin on it but the point is it's just it's really good and yeah it, it does like especially the soundtrack that like sort of epic soundtrack is I, I feel like that's kind of an old that's kind of an old hollywood thing a little bit to have this like swelling symphony at some points um it's interesting yeah it's just interesting Yeah, and the other thing is, um, so sorry, keep keep going with it because I want to see what you say. You, oh, well, you, um, you, 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 you barely said anything. Yeah, well, I guess you just uh, saw it, right? Yeah, I just saw it. I, I guess I could just go into my favorite scenes. I guess uh, the one that you know where, where he shoots the two guys. That is like, it's so simple, but it's like somehow like so much. It's just it's just so interesting. Like 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 there's it's not it's not tense. Like you don't you don't really feel that nervous watching it, but you just feel like you just you're you're just engaged, and it it's it's surprisingly rare for a movie to take some simple elements and craft something engaging, without it being so simple that it's like art house and boring kind of. Because um, I think a lot of like artsy films try to be you know like Tarkovsky. What are your favorite scenes though? Because you're talking about like. You know, no. the role it played. And I, I get it. Yeah, well, like, okay. There's only so much we can see. Yeah, yeah. I guess my favorite scenes then are uh, when he shoots the guys. That was that was cool. And also when his brother gets gunned down at the uh, at the stop. Oh, yeah, Sonny. Yeah. yeah. And you know, who, you know who plays him is James Conn plays him. Yeah. And just, just the James fact. James Conn's yeah. a great actor, you know. And I guess Have also. Have you ever seen a, yeah. the Michael Mann film uh, Thief? From 1980, uh, two, whatever, no. 1983, maybe. No, I haven't. I think it was 1980. I don't. Eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great uh, James Con sort of a per- performance um, thief. Anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, um, the violence is what you liked about it. Interesting. Uh, hmm. Well, that's it's funny you say that because like, I I I don't. It wasn't really the violence. It was just like the. I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, from from the traffic stop or what you know, the toll booth scene. Um, just the way you couldn't see any of the guys' faces, it almost felt like mythical or something. It felt like it wasn't. It's like you're saying, like it wasn't really lurid in a gross way, but it also wasn't. It wasn't too pristine. It, it was like striking a good sort of middle balance, and also all the scenes with Marlon Brando. Um, they're just great. I mean, just. I don't know. Just the people's faces almost were just so interesting. I guess cause everyone was just acting really well, emoting really well. I guess. Not only were they acting really well, um, yeah, it felt like it was the story kind of hinges on 
the uh, the Marlon Brando, you know, character's sort of uh, fates in a way. Like, like mm-hmm. it, it's it's a weird film in a sense because you're, you're, no one's purse characters matter that much. Yeah, they only kind of matter in relation to Don Corleone yeah. on Vito, and like like Sonny is important because he's the you know what the eldest son. Yeah, right. Or maybe Fredo was. I forget who was the. I think Fredo was oh, the eldest, yeah. but. Sonny was this like you know the more established son, and he, he dies in this really sort of tricky kind of fucked up uh, sequence. Yeah, and uh, he's killed. You know, um, he's killed viciously, and it doesn't matter so much that Sonny dies. Who cares about Sonny? But it, what matters is that Vito is upset. You know, Don, yeah. and and the whole yeah. film is sort of predicated on your kind of like your sympathy yeah. for Don Vito. And um, what's his name is also really kind of embroiled into that, rolled into it. Uh, Al Pacino's character—I forget his actual name in the. Yeah, in the movie. I don't remember either. Let me let me look it up. Yeah, he has a, he has a name though that's like it's just like a throwaway name. But uh, is it Michael? It might be. Yeah, I think it's yeah exactly. It's Michael Corleone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he he's like, and he's you know very effective you know and. His his ego is not really, doesn't get in, in in the way of things too often, and yeah. so he's kind of a, a a really important character. He's the most important character, but he's also he emotionally sort of not there. Yeah, and so all the emotion just kind of cycles into whatever affects Vito. You know, his yeah. daughter's wedding is interrupted immediately at the beginning of the film. His daughter's wedding is rudely interrupted. Yeah. He's offended, and it's all immediately about him. Yeah. It's a really strange movie. I think that's why people respect it so much. It's very patriarchal. Yeah. Um, really and, uh, you know, when when uh, his henchman gets killed, not, not even his henchman, but his, uh, he, he, had, he hired some tough guy, I forget his name, he got strangled oh, in a yeah, bar. yeah. That affected him because that's like an old friend, you know. It's like mm. everything just sort of cycles back to what he feels. You mm. know, when he's, when, and then when, when, when Michael is betrayed, by uh, his his uh, not Clemenza, but the other one. I think Clemenza stays sticks around, yeah. but the other one betrays Michael, yeah. even though Vito's already died. Yeah, and it doesn't even Michael doesn't even care, but Vito would have cared if he knew about it. Oh yeah, I know. That's a uh, that's uh, Michael's sister's husband, right? No, there was no. There was an advisor, like a consigliere. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, I was actually reading the plot. I think it's Tessio or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. and he betrays Vito. And I think Vito already had a heart attack at this point. Hmm. Died. Yeah, and so it doesn't. Michael doesn't care anymore. It's not his. He wasn't his goon, you know. Yeah. But Vito cares, and that's why it's still the meaning still lingers into that. Hmm. So it's all it's 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 a great film because it's established so well. It's I think it's one of the only films it's it's kind of defined by its establishing scene, establishing shots. Hmm. It's really it's really like bookended extremely well, hmm. and um, it's it, it it remains a, a significant film for that reason. Hmm. A lot of it is sort of like not the best. Um, obviously, the music's all good. The shots are all good. Gordon Willis, excellent cinematographer. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a fabulous film. But like, really, if if it weren't for that first scene, I think everything else would seem sort of um, uh, aimless. Yeah, and, and sort of and, and sort of just like you know, you feel like another whodunit. 
Yeah, that's that's a really great point. Because I mean, like you you like could or whatever. yeah you you could say that uh you could say that it doesn't really have much plot. It's kind of just this aimless thing that you know that there's no there's no clearly defined arc. But because I guess because we're so invested in in the Godfather, like it it we we keep caring, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, it all kind of cycles back to what his sentiment would would be or would have been, yeah. in uh, as reactions. And uh, eventually, you know, in the second movie, it actually changes up a bit. It's no longer really about V. I, I think that's why the film doesn't last very well. Like, I think as the film, even the first one goes on. Like, sorry, the yeah. franchise, the trilogy doesn't. It doesn't have a lot of staying power. Yeah, because it really was all about the Brando character. And then, even in the second film, you're sort of seeing him reconstituted as a sort of younger version of himself with Robert De Niro. Yeah. And De Niro is, you know, is one of the greatest actors of all time, of course. But mm. he doesn't. I don't think he has that same draw that Brando did. And the second film kind of it, it has more has it doesn't really have the same running start. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of more of a conventional movie. And then the third one, it kind of went in weird directions. There was some incest. Um, it's hard to keep track of sort of the, the different, the new, all the new characters. Hmm. And I think, I think the violent, I think it wasn't as pro produced as well. I don't think it was shot as carefully. But um, I, I still like the third one. And I think at that point, Al Pacino kind of carries the show because he's an old man or supposed to be. Yeah. In uh, in the third one. And that's and he kind of he, he he isn't he isn't this emotionless character like Michael was. He's a very sort of um, sentimental character by the time he's in the third film. Hmm. The second film is somewhere in the middle, hmm. and you you start to see this transition when he has to kill Fredo in the second one. Have you seen? Ooh, no, one? I haven't. I haven't. Okay, you have to well, you have to watch all of them because that's just 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 that's just how the story goes. Yeah. All right. You have to see the second one, because so, it really, it really, it's, it's, on the second one's a lot more about Michael. Yeah. And then the third one, it doesn't isn't really about anyone. But the third one, <laughs> it, it's I guess technically still about Michael. But yeah. the second, the third one's good. It's just, it um, it, it doesn't, it's not as meaningful. Yeah. I think the third one, it, it was made in like the '90s or something. I, it was made really late, like the Star Wars was made really like the trilogy was spanned out a lot yeah the third godfather was also like released pretty late in the game yeah and it, it reflected like the mores of that era yeah. which were kind of degraded compared to like even the early 70s which yeah. was a little more of a traditional time so yeah. or whenever the first one was actually the first one was probably late 60s right 69 or something uh like. let me see or 72 maybe it was 72 yeah 1972 yeah right right yeah, they so. probably, probably would start working on it around 69. Anyway, um, so the second one and the third one are good, but they're, they're thematically sort of crippled by the fact that it, it's they, they, the, the lead actor is, isn't really there anymore. And uh, the story still kind of revolves around him despite him not making any appearances. Yeah. They're really crippled by that. Um, but I still think that they're phenomenally well-produced despite that glaring obstacle. Yeah, and that's why they're kind of war like they're more they're better than Asteroid City. You know what I mean? Like yeah, certainly. Especially especially the second one and the third one, they're both better than Asteroid City. Like let's mm. not pretend that it, the, you know, the, the fall from glory can, is only so 
so vast. I mean, it was still there's still respectable films. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Uh, I, I I might be wrong about the third Godfather being better than Asteroid City because I haven't seen it in a long time. But yeah. from what I remember, it was just it had it was way more coherent. You know, it was still in the meaning. The family was still relatively intact. Hmm. It just it kind of made sense that this film had would would exist. Yeah, it wasn't a story you didn't want to see or something. So it, yeah, I think it was better than the average Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's really a good. It's still a good trilogy. It just when any anytime a trilogy winds down. Yeah. It, people are like, "Oh, this fucking what a shit show! It's so hyped up, yeah. blah blah yeah. da blah blah blah." But the reality is, it's like, is the but is the film still is this film really worse? You know? Yeah. Than yeah. like whatever you know, whatever kind of you know, hook and hook and hook line and sinker kind of thing is out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's like people kind of get used to a certain level of goodness in a thing and so then they expect it to be like twice as good and it's kind of hard to it's it's hard to keep up at the level let alone to improve even more it's also hard to it's, it's hard to do a trilogy you know there's there's like there's very few in the whole history of movies where they were all good Uh, yeah, and uh, well, this, you're being annoying to me because you're you're like, oh well, you know, the, there's no trilogies where the trilogies are good. I think every trilogy <laughs> that's made is merits being a trilogy. Like it's, yeah, you know, like you know, there's more there's more into this world than in what's cooked up in your philosophy, Horatio. Like, come yeah, on, yeah, okay, okay, good, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Or this more in the heaven than the earth, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, up. I wanna I wanna see but two you, and three. Um, yeah, like even the Transformers trilogy, I guess it's like five now, but yeah, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pentology. but the trilogy, even that was like respectable. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. I liked a lot. I just, honestly, all those movies are good. The only one that gets a little dumb. Yeah. Like truly, truly dumb is uh fast and the furious because yeah. i'm pretty sure in those films like vin diesel goes into like space yeah <laughs> you know like it just well that just that's, becomes like yeah yeah that's that's he's like he literally has theory. superpowers that's like charming yeah. in its own right at least from afar like i kind of want to i was i'm like more excited. honestly if it were yeah still it's like theaters, funny at least it has a sense of humor yeah right? well i I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch uh i would be more excited to watch fast x than i would to watch oppenheimer or barbie be honest because i feel like i don't know maybe maybe it's way worse than i can even imagine but yeah, the only problem is that like you're morally like we're obligated to, to pirate it because it's yeah. like you wouldn't want to pay no you're not it's like yeah, it's like a crime don't. to charge you money for that that stuff you know? yeah yeah that's funny like, like well, the only reason those fast and furious movies get made is so that people don't go and like just go on spree shootings or, or like drive their cars into a fucking post office or whatever <laughs> that's really great or mcdonald's yeah. yeah yeah it's an outlet for society's collective like explosion lust yeah there's no real there's no real need for it. it's a charitable act there's no need yeah. for money <laughs> good christian you know virtue signaling anyway that's uh great. yeah but so what, what more what more else is there to say about godfather part one because mm. I, I Did you know. see White Lotus? Uh, I feel like White Lotus, it, the second one is so good. It ties. It's it's on Sicily, so it ties like a in show? a weird, weird sort of way to The Godfather. Like it just, 
Wait, it's like the it's like the it's like the it's like a girly version of Godfather. You're talking about a TV Wait, show, right? Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple episodes and I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't like it. Don't watch the first one. The first one's cool. You mean the first? The season? second one is. Yeah, first season. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the, the reason I say is that each season is like a discrete. Um, yeah. Storyline. Hmm. So, I don't know if they're making the third, but the second one was like altogether all different. Different okay. location, different characters. The only through line is that there's this one character that's pretty annoying in the first one. It's probably the worst character in the first one. Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah. in the second one, she ends up being kind of like the best character. Like her okay. arc is very, very compelling and intriguing ultimately. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the second one, y- you could just start out watching from, from season episode one on the second season. Okay. But the first season is, is a really serviceable prequel to that. So, you know, no matter how you slice it, it's a good time. I, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't like, you know, lose sleep over it. Oh, so I could just watch either, but probably better start with two, but it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Probably better if you're, if you're conscientious of time. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I, I didn't really like season one. I saw a couple episodes and didn't, didn't appeal to me, but, uh, I don't know. I'll just try season two, you know, screw it. It might be context, you know. Sometimes it's con- I mean, shit, I didn't like The Godfather the first time I, tr- I tried to watch it, so what the hell do I know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I saw this, uh, I saw this other movie, um, The Best of Everything. I really recommend it, because it's, uh, it's just... The this, Best of Everything? The Best of Everything. It's, it's this movie from, uh, like, the 60s or something. Um... It, it, oh, is it is it like a caper? No, what is it? A it's, crime, it's crime like a it's like a romance movie kind of. It's very. You didn't uh, watch Dirty Harry, did you? I did. Yeah, I've seen that. It's pretty. We good. can talk about that right now because that one's good. Like as yeah. far away from Asteroid City as Godfather is, Dirty Harry is. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe just far away from that. No, I don't know. It's not. It's not. Dirty Harry and Godfather are closer, if for no other reason than because they're like seventies urban films. Yeah, that don't. That are kind of basically amoral and violent. But although Dirty Harry is obviously like more vicious, even if not more violent, really. I mean, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I, you know, that you know, Tarantino wrote that new book. Oh, for uh, yeah, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, cinema speculations. No, he wrote oh. a book like on on like on films that like influenced him and sort oh, of wow. general opinions he has. And uh, cool. I, I saw some girl reading it because I haven't bought it yet. I, I, I sort of didn't know. I was on the fence. Yeah. I saw some girl reading it at this funny coffee shop which has, which has like plants and has swings in it. And it's like a goofy yeah. coffee shop where you can buy like your your plants. Yeah. And hang out by a swing. And I was asking her, like, is that book any good? And she said that like she doesn't know a lot of the movies, but she says it's really good because he he writes in his conversational style. He yeah. uses a lot of run-on sentences, yeah. and I'm like, well, so it's just a lot of old movies he talks about. And she said, yeah, it's like I've never seen Dirty Harry. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, you have to see that one, yeah. Yeah. And I realized that like, you know, like that's a movie that like, it is a classic, but like it is also kind of a film that like is best seen after it's recommended. Like you, it's not it's like a weird kind of like like the godfather you might just see because it's like the godfather yeah but yeah. dirty harry i feel like 
are you just going to like watch Dirty Harry? No, it's like you have yeah. to be reminded that it even exists. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty like it's pretty out of the ether. Yeah. As like as a film goes, like that's why I compared it to uh, Asteroid City, I guess, because it's oh, it's really see, doesn't yeah. have, it's not like it doesn't have the same t- cult. It doesn't have a a, a, a a cultural touchstone. Yeah, exactly. It's not that sort of iconic and groundbreaking. Well, I mean, there is that. Uh, doesn't he? Doesn't he say like, you know, do you feel lucky or whatever? That 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 like, but y- you can't. It's not iconic enough if there's just one line. You know. I mean, I feel like the Deer Hunter is kind of at that level of '70s movie with some violence and neo-realistic, and but also kind of artistic. Well, sort of. I feel like Dirty Harry is less artistic than, than either the Deer Hunter or the Godfather, but uh, it's 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 kind of almost like pulpy and schlocky, but it's it's well made. Well, oh, the Deer Hunter is uh, no, no, schlocky and pulpy. D- no, no, Dirty Harry is. I think. Well, I was I have a sore spot for Dirty Harry because yeah. uh, the opening scene is really kind of a hoot, and yeah. then the ending is a riot to me because it's all shot in like Larkspur Lane. Oh no, just... I, I I drive by that area every. I was when I was watching the first movie, I was like, dude, I, I know that place. That didn't always used to be a dilapidated, rusty ass factory, where like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. It's a freaking bougie mall. This is the place where now it is. I mean, we well, yeah. used to have like six theater. Um, you know, century cinema, and now it's oh, got yeah. no cinema. Oh yeah, and it, yeah. Of it had like a pretty, pretty considerable yeah. uh, uh, multiplex, and now it doesn't. Yeah. And uh, of course, the one across the way, the one that Lucasfilm used to go to, mm. there go that really was like kind of a big deal for a theater. That one shut down too in Cordovera by yeah. the highway. Yeah. So now oh, it's yeah. like totally just like a redundant kind of place, like in terms yeah. of culture, but for, in terms of shopping, it's like. You know, it's still it's still like in its golden age, I guess. Yeah. You know, well now it's now it's now it's now in a new golden age. Yeah. For shopping, <laughs> shopping. Ah. <laughs> I mean, there's a fuck. There's God forbid. There's a Shake Shack there. Yeah. No. There I went, is. And I'm like, and then you go there, and it's like all high Redwood high schoolers, and it's like, what yeah. is going on, dude? Yeah. It's like. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't so, like when places are too nice, to be honest. I don't mind them if like I don't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's like if it's a place where it's like it's just like getting crushed by the by the economy every every year you know yeah. more and more and eventually you just know it's like well something's got to replace it what's it going to be oh it's like oh yeah just like you know you know they're going to airdrop like a fucking neiman marcus and an orange julius <laughs> and a fucking jake shack and a fucking yeah. uh e- equinox and like some sort of bookstore that sells books but kind of doesn't, you know, yeah, they kind of aren't yeah. really. It's like, it's like a front for like a tech company somehow. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They have they have a bookshelf there just in case people want to like, you know, you know, get a paper cut and then feel like they experienced something. <laughs> Still alive, okay. From the from from the feel of pulp. So anyway, back to pulp. That's funny. Dirty Harry, quite good. Um. Uh. Dirty Harry's quite good. I, I I like the Harry Callahan. Um, if you don't even see Dirty Harry, it's one of those pictures where you really kind of like have to care about the police officer, even though he's just sort of blatantly a piece of shit. But you still have to <laughs> care about the police officer. And they kind of they kind of make a good case for it by having him sort of angry all the time. He's always on the he's always on the mission. He's always on he's always on the beat. Yeah. Uh, where you know he's 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 he's, he's driven. 
yeah. and he drives like a wild man. It's a little, they try to make the film a little like Bullet. If you've ever seen that, it's a classic um, chasing car chase scene in Bullet. Hmm. Uh, I don't even know if it was police department related, but they they definitely had like a cop versus robbers scenario in Bullet with Steve McQueen. Hmm. And uh, in this one, they have Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry. And I'll, I'll have you, I'll have you know that when he was getting really involved in those those roles they made five of these films i think damn five five most yeah and yeah. the one and th- the one two and three are, from what i remember like okay yeah four and five are like he's like a lot older it's sort of strange yeah um i guess you could watch it but like yeah. well I, I haven't I, I haven't bothered myself how about um, uh, which is better death wish or dirty harry death wish is actually better low key yeah. because death wish is just is way more consistent Hmm. It, you, like you like you 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 get your cheap thrill at the end in all of them, but Dirty <laughs> Harry, the first one is like a, is like a real movie. None of the Death Wish movies are like real movies. You know, they're all B movies, yeah. good ones. But Dirty Harry, the first one is like a it's like a, a tour de force kind of. Like it actually has like it's actually dramatic. Hmm. So like it, that's it was a weird thing in 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 the in the, in the Hollywood like studio decision making where they. They the the first one is like really well received, and then they they decided to just pump out like really shitty like adaptations of that basic premise. Yeah, re, re reapplying it to things. Yeah, and it you realize that like that character Harry Callahan can only kind of work for like 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 for like six months. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that in real life, someone like that doesn't just just doesn't exist. And so they 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 tried they had to tone it down and make him like more mature in the later ones. Yeah. And it became sort of it became sort of gay, like you know what I mean. Like it be, it became sort of like like he just didn't have he didn't really have the verve anymore. Like he was just sort of like a bureaucrat. Mm. He 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 shows his age a lot more in the later films. Yeah. Um. And he and he's slower and he talks a little slower and uh. It just the the bad guys are are aren't as threatening. Yeah. He's sort of he's sort of just. From what I remember, like the the villains were sort of like far further in the background in the later films. Yeah. The the reason the first one works actually quite as well as it does is that the Scorpio Killer is really scary. Yeah. Really kind of terrifying. Um, oh. I think more than anything, the reason that film works is because uh, not really Clint Eastwood, but the the villain was was made to be like realistic and um, kind of omnipresent, like a boogeyman. Huh. Um, he was. He was. He seemed like he was threatening to society almost as much as he was to like Harry. Hmm. Not even Harry, but he was threatening to like. He was threatening on more, many more layers than one. Whereas later on, it's all like organized bank robbers that he has to go track down. It's like basically just like bored criminals that he has to like you know, shoot up. Yeah, it's like, not as it's not pretty, as symbolic. It's pretty cheesy. It's not symbolic at all. It doesn't. There's no justice. It's just sort of the system, you know, ramming its head into itself. Yeah, but. The first one had sort of like a like a message, hmm. even though the message was not the you know not something anyone had never heard before. But like, still, it was it was a message that was you know concrete and discreet. Hmm. The later ones they had less and less of a message, and they sort of ambled into like identity politics and sort in the third one, and hmm. they got into sort of like miscellaneous topics. Know, it started to feel like a TV show, hmm. um, and then Death Wish. Is quite good because it's it's it, the way he kills people is never realistic, but it's always ingenious. He's always 
inventing new ways to kill people. It's, it's a very inventive series. And the Hollywood decision-making process for that was a lot more, uh, um, uh, I, think, I think, realistic. And it's like, yeah, we can make a B movie that sells, and we just remake it over and over again and just change the, <laughs> the details, and people will never get bored. And for a while, it worked. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. There's one, the, the classic example of like a 70s franchise just fucked up. Yeah. It had like a lot of energy at first was, um, it wasn't really Dirty Harry. Um, it was uh, Smoking the Bandit. I've never, never seen those. That one is like, yeah, you, why would you? Because it, it, it fell off so quickly. But it, it, the first one was pretty well received. It was this late 70s film. I think 76, 78. Uh, 77. Like that. 77, I, right? I 77. And it stars Burt Reynolds, and he's sort of like a bandit who has to smuggle beer across state lines and sort of in, in like the south and drives this car really fast. It's like Dukes of Hazard, yeah. kind of, yeah. but even more grisly than that. And the first film was very popular, and then they tried to do a second one. It wasn't, didn't, didn't really take. Dang. The third one flopped, and then they made more and more. They're like straight to video. And obviously, Burt Reynolds had nothing to do with the sequels. He was like... You know, knowing that guy, he, he probably, would, I don't think he even did the second one. Hmm. I think he was in, in like a cameo in the second one. So the, uh, yeah, that series, they made like five movies and only the first one was good. Dirty Harry is not as bad as that. Dirty yeah. Harry, the second and third films, you can watch them. They're dumb, but they have like glimmers of, of meaning. It's just, but it's overall, it's pretty lousy. But, but, but Smokey and the Bandit, from what I understand, because I haven't bothered, Apparently it's just like trash, hmm. like way worse. You mean all the sequels, not uh, not the original. All the sequels, all the sequels. The first ones, yeah, is, is also respectable in its own right. But the sequels are just yeah, sort of, sort of they're sort of jokes. It's a little like American Pie, where they made like a bunch of sequels that went straight to video. Yeah, but then but then you and then none of the main actors are in those. You know, it's a little yeah. like it's like a lot of things are like that. Yeah. You know, where it's like kind of a good times series. Death Wish is funny. It's funny that you mentioned Death Wish because Death, Death Wish is nothing of that sort. Like Death Wish is sort of like a, it's like a comic book movie before there was a comic book movie. It reminds me a lot of The Punisher, hmm. or maybe Dare, maybe Daredevil. It's a vigilante film, so it's gonna yeah. have because you're that's it, it really it is a comic book style film. It's got like a superhero effectively. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a mild mannered uh, guy who has the power. It was like an architect, you know, like he, he had like yeah. a cover story and then he ends up being like a, like a, like Iron Man. Like he's just like Tony Stark at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so that's why Death Wish works. And what I like about Death Wish is that every movie has a different location. Like there's one in Brooklyn in the eighties. It's really kind of wild hmm. and it's probably the least realistic. But then again, Brooklyn was crazy in the eighties. Like it was, it wasn't exactly what we'd call realistic even then. Yeah. Um, and then there's the ones that are like more than a few are in like Los Angeles, and so it kind of the, 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 uh, I forget I forget Charles Bronson's name and, and the actor's name. Oh, the character's the name. character's name is uh, Paul Kersey. Yeah, Paul Kersey. Paul Kersey moves around a lot, in those, <laughs> which is kind of well. It's a bit, of, it's a bit like Taken, where like someone's it's always better than Taken. Well, yeah, but like it's than... it, it definitely, but but it's the same weird thing. Or like this guy's really unlucky, you know? Like this keeps happening to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. no. It, taking the taking is like is like riffing off of Death, Death Wish, yeah. and taking is is good, but it's it's 
they only made like three of them. It wasn't as popular. Yeah. I mean, it seems popular. It's more popular now, but I don't think it was as successful for its in its own in its own time. I don't know. I I'd have to like crunch the numbers, and I I don't really know how to do it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's the t- how are we, how are we for time? Because uh, we're, we're supposed to talk about Godfather. Yeah, we're we're at hour twenty three. That's pretty good. I mean, do you want to say more about The Godfather? Like, who are your favorite actors? Did you like Diane Keaton? Did you like Robert Duvall? Did you like um, I think Fredo's? I... Oh, uh, 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 oh, that guy was in Deer Hunter too. Uh, John Cazale or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, John Cazale. Yeah, and he he died like shortly after the Deer Hunter. Jeez. Yeah. And he was married to Marilyn Streep. Wow. It was or Marilyn kind... Streep. Meryl Streep was married to him. <laughs> it was kind of funny to see that guy because. I haven't watched a lot of 70s movies and then just seeing the deer hunter and then seeing this same little weirdo like pop up in this movie and I you know I don't have to speak ill of the dead but he's a bit of a character actor I think because he's he's just got an interesting sort of look to him and uh th- so yeah he, he was all right he didn't really stand out that me to me that much cuz I was so preoccupied with uh you know just, I guess the way he looks or something but um Dan Keaton did surprise me I kind of expected her to be flatter than she was um, but you know, it was mainly Marlon Brando and Al Pacino. Actually, Al Pacino, like you were saying, he was kind of too reserved to really be that interesting. He had like the quiet intensity, but like, that's not terribly interesting. I, I don't know if James can or Khan. I don't know if he was really that good. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't seem that amazing to me. Um, part of it is just, he didn't really look that Italian, but, uh, yeah, it's mainly, mainly Marlon Brando then I guess. Yeah, I gotta see the others. All right, well, let's end it there. I think we've said all that we can. You know, Godfather. Uh, um, it's also a good introduction to like the Italian American sort of thing. Yeah, La Casa Nostra. You know, um, it's a very. Uh, it's very charming. I, I, I feel like if you're into Italian studies or learning Italian or going to, traveling to Italy for any reason, work or play, yeah. Godfather is, is a kind of a must-see to get your bearings. And uh, Francis Ford Coppola, everything he's made I've enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, but that one is probably his best film by yeah. far. Oh. All right, let's move on. All right. Um. All right, well, uh, I guess I'm just going to click stop then. (laughs) Cut this part out.